0: Everybody. welcome to you guys five movies this is one of your co-hosts chris Gasper. this is frank pelicone you were listening to episode 177 and tonight we are covering the top five horror movies of 2002 so frank um a couple years into this uh this decade's journey now um pretty much still the same thing going on in terms of uh japanese films uh foreign films i guess asian films and then um I guess this might be where—is this the first adaptation kind of making its way across that we're gonna—that's on your list tonight? Mm, Yes. Yeah, I mean, I guess the there's several over the next couple of years. Yeah.
1: Um, but this is the one that kind of kicked, kicked everything off. Um, there's a lot of garbage this year. There's actually some really notable like super bad horror movies that came out in 2002 Hmm. um uh they for instance which i (laughs) made you watch accidentally (laughs) um that was a truly bad movie that was a really bad movie yeah it's my fault uh ghost ship is this year fear.com is this year halloween resurrection is this year um there's also um some movies that people uh, tend to like, but I'm not, like, hugely fond of, In 28 Days Later and Cabin Fever. They're both this year. So this is, like, the beginning of um, Eli Roth, sort of, around 2002. Um, and then, for some ungodly reason, uh, uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis directed a sequel to Blood Feast in 2002. I mean, I guess that there was an... The The Japanese horror, which was, like, noticed the previous years and kind of, you know, had been in production, like, in 2000, 2001, it kind of sparked, like, an interest in horror again. Um, So, there was a lot of movies, like, I guess, being made and that were released this year. You also have a movie that I thought about putting on this list, but I don't know that I necessarily consider it horror. Like, I consider it more comedy. Mm-hmm. Comedy parody and Bubba Hotep which is a really great movie oh was that this year okay yeah yeah but um to me not like a traditional horror movie so one of the talking about some other stuff and then juan is this year which i didn't put on the list because i feel like i feel like we've talked a lot about juan and its various incarnations so
0: yeah that's... so i get confused with all the cabins was there a remake of cabin fever at some point
1: Yes, there's okay. a sequel and a remake. Sequel and a remake, okay. Uh, There might be several sequels. There's at least one sequel. Um, I think I saw the remake. That was in the past 10 years, right? Uh, Yeah, it was 16... I don't know. It's been okay. in the past, like, 7 or 8 years. I don't know if I've ever seen the original of that. Um, Cabin Fever? Yeah. So, it's okay. It's like... People really like marked out to it because it's it's super over the top, like grotesque in a lot of its things. Um, I don't particularly like any of the actors in it, and I don't necessarily like Eli Roth as a director. So I was just not a not a huge fan. Um,
0: but. You and know. I was going to watch 28 Days Later if it was free somewhere, but it was not free anywhere just because I haven't watched it, like, since that year after it came out. I think I watched it one more time, but, um... Do you remember what your complaints were with that movie? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't even really remember it that well. But that was one of the things was it wasn't... I remember there was... Like, it got to, like, the tunnel scene, and then I felt like it started to fall apart some. Like, I remember the tunnel scene being really good and really effective. Um when they're like trapped, all the cars are under the tunnel, and then it's like, after yeah. that, it's just like...
1: There, there's a scene in the grocery store that's really good. Um, Celia Murphy is, is good in it, but I think my problem with it at the time was I felt like it was a cop-out in terms of they wouldn't call... It, it wasn't zombies, you know? Like, it mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. just like a... And I guess, like, it's always a virus or a disease or whatever, but I felt like it was hedging its bets and it didn't want to fully invest in being, like, a horror movie. It wanted to be more social
0: commentary and post-apocalyptic. Yeah. So I, I, I think that kind of turned me off to it. Yeah, and it was, like, um, so over the top in some ways. I remember by the time they get to all the military stuff, that I also was very, very
1: anti-fast zombie at this yeah. point in my life, and... I think it really bothered me that all the zombies were like these, like sprinting. But this, so that was my problem too, is because they're not necessarily the undead; they're just infected, right? So they're not even—I don't know, whatever. I mean, I was fucking child when I saw this movie, and sure, I'm, 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 I'm just so. saying,
0: I'm just saying, it might be something that might be worth going back and like talking about at some point and like looking at again.
1: I also conflate this in 28 weeks later in my head and I don't know mm. which one I like worse or which one I I don't know. I don't know <laughs> which one I feel is not as good as the other one. Um, but I only have like brief flashes. Like I remember the stuff with the military from 28 days later and mm. um but I think the 28 days later if you really like want to be honest is probably if not the biggest one of like the major influences is stuff like The Walking Dead. So if anything it's a sure. really important movie in terms of that whole zombie glut in the mid two thousands. I mean this and like the Day of the Dead remake and or Dawn of the Dead remake and um mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. uh Yeah, really that's probably the, the two things that are really Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um and all both right. past zombies.
0: Yeah. And I mean at some I mean it took a while to get used to. There, there are movies that do fast zombies well, and that's why, like maybe I'm on. Unfa- I'm wondering got, now if I'm on. I got over it. Um. Yeah, because you got like Train to Busan, and um. But Train uh, Train
1: Train to Busan is, I think, a much better movie than Twenty Eight Days Later.
0: It absolutely is. I'm just saying, fast zombies. Like All you've right. seen, you've seen it uh, since then, done well. Uh uh-huh. I think. Um. So I'm wondering if I went back and rewatched Twenty Eight Days Later, if I th- would think being over that because i think i felt the same way as you if I, it's not
1: streaming anywhere that's pretty crazy
0: no i mean not for free mm. um i was looking for or it could be free for frank i have no idea but um isn't everything <laughs> all right so let's just go ahead and jump in um to your list this week so number five on your list is dog soldiers directed by neil marshall in his directorial debut uh stars kevin mckid sean Pertwee, and emma Cleeseby has 81 percent from critics a 79 percent from audiences anyone tell us just a little bit about this one and uh how it made the list um so starts out as a
1: um 28 days later by the way is currently unavailable hmm. um young man in the military is applying to be part of a special forces unit um gets rejected because he won't Gets rejected by its like commandant because he won't murder a dog um, after the exercise is over, like his training exercise. Uh, so, fast forward several months, he's back in his unit of, I guess, just regular enlisted men in somewhere in the British Isles. Like, I guess they're Scottish, I felt like, but I guess maybe they're just British. I don't know.
0: They're uh,
1: Scottish, I think. But they're in like the wilderness um, doing a training exercise where their platoon is being, um, or their their unit is being put up against a special forces unit um, which turns out to be led by the same like brutal commandant that rejected him in the first place Um, except the commandant's special forces unit gets torn apart by these unseen assailants um, which you eventually find out are werewolves so it then becomes um, like a uh, survive the night uh, you know like barricaded in a house thing with the uh, steadily decreasing number of soldiers against the werewolf assault outside. Um, And, you know, the commandant, of course, he's attacked by a werewolf. So he starts to become a werewolf, but also the commander um, who's best friends with the guy that was rejected. Who's the main character of the movie. Um, He starts to turn as well. And there's a girl That lives in the house that you then find out she's part of the werewolf family so um just in general like a really well done um man against nature uh movie Um, very similar in a lot of ways to um i mean not at all in like tone and like construction but just in the way that it's done to something like night of the living dead um with the the assailants outside continuously like you know Kind of like making assaults against um, against the house. Uh, really interesting uh, special effects on the werewolves in the sense that they look really good. I mean you don't really get to see them mm-hmm. much, but when you do see them, mm-hmm. there's just some some really good special effects here. I would say that it is one hundred percent, and I'm gonna say this a few times um, over the next uh, five movies um 100% you can tell this is a directorial debut. Um there's a lot of clunkiness in some of the direction. Um although it's not like bad by any stretch of the, you know, imagination, you can definitely tell that it's somebody that's not 100% confident in blocking and um cutting and and he edited this movie himself too, which right. you know is pretty crazy. Um for someone in their first, you know, directorial role to like have that much responsibility, but Um, and a little bit too much I think and we've we've talked about this a number of times before anyway but when it's not your native um, what's it called like your native culture and your native whatever like setting sometimes there's things that are talked about here where it's just like I don't necessarily get like what they're talking about like i understand it but it doesn't mean anything to me if that makes Mm -hmm. sense right um but good performances uh like i said really well done special effects um it maintains i think a, a pretty good level of um tension throughout the movie and um has a good ending i think um makes you invested in a few of the characters and then does a good job like kind of cutting your heart out from running, like out of you when they end up killing those characters because you know the only one that survives really is the main character mm-hmm. Um, but yeah just a well done movie
0: yeah I agree it's a, it's a solid movie I, I enjoyed it all the way through Um like you said there's some clunkiness and I think even like the way we- like when you see through the werewolves eyes is a little dated maybe but other than that there's something about the film stock that um and some of the way it's filmed is it doesn't feel too dated like, um, overall, like, and I think a lot of it being shot at night, um, helps that maybe like, um, and the fact that it's like, there's uniforms and it's out in the middle of the woods. So it can, it, it doesn't have like time stamps kind of like, but from the, the costuming or anything like that. Um, even the haircuts because they're military. So I, it, it ends up like holding up, I think fairly well for, um, a movie that's twenty one years old.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't
0: I don't disagree.
1: I just and we talked about this when we did the my top five um werewolf movies. Um I'm not the biggest fan of werewolves. Like I think when it's done well it's good, but there's always something about it still that kind of feels like really edge lordy to me. <laughs> um like in Skyrim like I never do the companions quests because I can't stand yeah the idea of having to be a werewolf, so. Mm-hmm. But I like the fact that they build the idea that this is a family that's just afflicted and not necessarily like villains. Agree. And yet they're still the villains of of the movie, but it really does then become more of a man versus nature movie and not like a man versus evil. Um, and you know has you invested in one of the, uh, one of the werewolf characters throughout mm-hmm. because you don't find out that. Um the lady whose house they're in is part of the family until what the last like twenty minutes of the movie, roughly. Yeah. so, um, yeah, just really, really well done. Um, and again, like, when you know that it's Neil Marshall's first movie, I think there's ways you can there's things you can see where you're like, okay, like, this is definitely not like, and I don't think that Neil Marshall is like the greatest director, but he's definitely a competent director and he's done some good movies. and mm-hmm. um, you can see like where he would grow from this yeah um but yeah definitely worth watching and
0: yeah i i I love the very end too with the tabloid um i think that's like a nice little touch at the end where it's like what what is it like werewolves ate my squad or yeah werewolves ate my platoon yeah and it's like underneath the soccer match (laughs) right (laughs) um no i think that's like a a good little like um uh like tapper to the whole thing um yeah Yeah. uh, no solid movie and um I think you can see it's really weird what happens with Kevin McKidd's like career to some degree. because uh, this actually like I mean he'd already been in train spotting, but it's like this kind of I think as like a like a lead man kind of like helped move him forward a little bit. Um he can, even if it's a directorial debut it can he can carry a movie. Um and get some work out of it and then just kind of slowly just like just disappears through the year. Yeah. Like, you know, um I think he's been on like Grey's Anatomy for like twenty years or something now or something or no like fifteen maybe. Um, and he's gotten um, that, I guess directing maybe, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think Kevin McKidd like shows here that he's um, you know, capable, but uh, like you know of, you know, like carrying something. And sure. A good job. Uh, I think this is free on Tubi, right? um uh... It's free. Somewhere. Yes, it is. Yep, it's it's free on Tubi. Um, and Prime maybe too. The, uh, Tubi uh, Roku channel and then Stars as script subs- if you subscribe.
1: After I watched it on Tubi, I realized it was free somewhere where I could have watched it without commercials. And I was it's, really because, it's because it's because when shit. I
0: like made the initial list uh, list initially and like sent it to you it was only on Tubi and Stars is a new thing. I didn't know it was on Stars now, so they just added it recently. So. Probably because probably because we watched it on T V. Yeah,
1: probably. Yeah.
0: Oh. <laughs> so yeah, so Dog Soldiers. Worth watching. Yeah. So number four on your list is um Lucky McKee's May. It stars Angela Bettis, Jeremy Sisto, Anna Ferris, has a seventy percent from critics and a seventy five percent from audiences. Wanna tell us a little bit about this one and uh why it made the list?
1: Uh so another directoral debut. Um this is the story of a young woman who's born with a lazy eye to a mother who is a perfectionist um, which causes her psychological trauma like as she grows causes her to grow up socially awkward and um, really unable to kind of make uh, lasting relationships or friendships with people Um, she's a veterinarian assistant um, kind of obsessed with death and dismemberment and like no qualms about Um, touching dead bodies or the dead bodies of animals Uh, she becomes obsessed with the jeremy sisto character who's a mechanic Um, she becomes obsessed with like his hands and she tries to sort of insinuate herself into his life Um, she ends up getting um, contacts that correct her lazy eye uh, which she struggled with her whole life Um, she's sort of rejected by him because she doesn't know how to act and so she ends up basically trying to cannibalize him like during a makeout session then has a stunted um short relationship with her lesbian co-worker uh, played by um anna Ferris. um and eventually goes crazy and basically <laughs> and ends up hacking up all these people that have done her wrong for the parts of them that um she found attractive and builds herself her own frankenstein monster um finishing it by putting in her lazy eye um, which brings it to life in what may or may not be an unreliable narrator situation um although the end of the movie i guess leaves you with the implication that the thing actually is like alive so uh really um small movie there's not a whole lot of horror to it necessarily in the traditional sense although there's a lot of psychological horror to it um buoyed 100 percent by the performances in particular the angela bettis performances the titular may um really so we had talked about marshall's directorial debut in dog soldiers just as strong an effort here by lucky mckee um again i think there are things in it where if you know you're watching a first-time director you can definitely see some awkwardness um, in framing and in pacing and, and whatnot. But still, like, a really strong effort, um, really solid. Um, I I know that you like this movie a lot. I, I have a little bit of trouble with the psychology in this movie because I think that it's too... too easy of an explanation. It's like... She got made fun of as a kid and now she's a lunatic that'll murder people, kinda,
0: you know? There's like, not a lot there's not a lot of psychological
1: depth. Yeah, there's thing. not for being such a good performance, and really again, it's 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 Angela Bettis that truly mm-hmm. carries this movie. Absolutely. Um there's not an incredible amount of like depth to the characterization of like or even it doesn't I mean maybe that's the actual like real um positive to the movie is that they don't try to condescend to you or whatever to explain her psychological illness they just it happens and you're just meant to sort of accept that it's happening and because bettis is so good in the role uh, it's definitely like easy I, I guess it's it's easy to accept but
0: yeah I mean, because all you really i mean all it relies on is the idea of a deep loneliness that has led to a social awkwardness that is like nearly impossible for her to overcome um yeah. and and like i mean and and hints i guess at the idea that um because she's not like squeamish or like you know works like you know with these like surgeries and stuff, and it like is unfazed for some reason by gore and and potential violence um and those are like this like the building blocks of this character and you're right there's not a lot of psychological depth to it um i feel like i know this character and i mean like literally kind of (laughs) know this character to some degree um and so it i could be like placing like you know some things like on the character but um I the, the performance in this is, is is amazing and I think she carries the entire movie pretty much on her back. Um I know that you're not a big fan of Sisto like in general. <clears throat> I was a um, shit on the man here, but yeah. But I but I think I but I actually think this is one of his better roles. Um I actually think that he like just does his job of what he needs to do in this, which is you know, kind of because I mean he's a flawed human being too like you know um and kind of like you know feels like he's getting ready to use her but then finally at the last moment like after like the weirdness with like her like biting his lip and trying to like basically like eat him like in some way right. like it, like backs away and then just kind of like completely rejects her which I, obviously is I probably, I probably the right thing for him to do and then you know, I, I think he plays his role fine. It's Ferris actually that I have a problem with in this movie. Um I, I think that character is way fucking over the top and she's like overdoing it. Um But I think Bettis always grounds everything back into So let me let me make that let me
1: give you a counterpoint to that, I guess. Um I think both Bettis's character and Sisto's character have enough well-rounded edges to them where they're not the villains in the movie right like because typically in a movie like this right it would be you know and you said it about sister but i think this is true with Bettis as well because to her she's just having a good time you know she just wants to have sex and she's attracted to this woman and she feels like it's okay just to you know whatever have a promiscuous relationship with her but she's not a bad person and she definitely continues to what did i say that you that, her that... performance being over the top i i just think that yeah yeah yeah. oh i said bettis i'm sorry ferris Ferris. i meant ferris
0: oh okay gotcha
1: all right um the lesbian she plays the yeah lesbian, yeah yeah, yeah, like yeah co-worker. The, the, anyway
0: the receptionist or whatever right right yeah okay
1: gotcha yeah right, she was a i was i not anyway um <laughs> I mean, maybe it's not like the most modern portrayal of a lesbian character, but she's also not like a villain or a bad person, and she's not like no one is necessarily mean to May, and it's May having no value for human life or the human experience because she never had it herself. I think that
0: oh, I don't, I don't um, think the Ferris character is a villain. I don't like Anna Ferris in it. Is what I'm saying. Oh, I think she's fine. I don't know. I, don't no, I think problem. she's like way over the top with like her delivery of lines and the way she like kind of like acts the role. I mean, like not like necessarily the character, but the way she acts the role. Like, I think she, I think Sisto feels like a really a pretty real person, and I think Bettis, for all the craziness that's going on in May, feels like a fairly real person, and Anna Faris, and it doesn't feel like a real person. Like she feels like she's like. A cartoon character compared to some of the other people
1: Yeah, see, i feel like i know that anna fair's character in really? real life mm-hmm. yeah um and i just hate jeremy sisto <laughs> with the majority of my existence so uh,
0: what did you oh proto 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 adam proto, proto adam driver, proto adam driver yeah. yeah that's what you said in texas um right bonnie I, I really, this is one of those movies, I think, that, like, I really love this movie a lot, I, and I like the fact that you said it's like a small movie, I really like that it just stays focused on this character throughout, and you get to see this character's journey, for lack of a better word, um this is one of like the three that like that first year of COVID when I just started watching all those horror movies that really stood out to me, it was this house of the devil and the invitation are the three that like, I just absolutely like really enjoyed like watching. um, um, yeah. And was kind of like blown away by um, the fact that like, I hadn't seen it yet and um, I wasn't expecting it to be engaging. And I thought it was really engaging and it's mostly Bettis's performance.
1: Yeah. I think one of the more interesting things about this movie, in a lot of ways, is that I think it's inherently like Lucky McKee could have definitely pushed a little further and made this much more over the top and grand, grand guignol. Like, and there's definitely stuff in it that like kind of skirts that, mm-hmm. but for being at a time period where I don't know. Like, I don't know how to say it there's, there's not a whole lot of restraint because you don't need to have any kind of restraint. Um, I think it's interesting that like they, he did try to make a movie that says something more than just the titillation of watching someone murder someone else. And mm-hmm. um, I like the whole, like sort of like pseudo Frankenstein monster aspect to the, um, the end of the movie. So
0: I do too. Yeah. Um, Cause it's not where you think it'll go. Like, at all by the time you start, and I think that's another one of those things that really got me is that where you think this movie is going to start, which is maybe a little bit more, um, stereotypical, um, like the idea that it goes like balls to the wall where she's building the Frankenstein monster out of all these people's parts, um, like you know, it's, it's obvious, like, I think she has some sort of like, uh, like, oh, like. She, ocd maybe with people's body parts it's probably not like the proper diagnosis but this idea that she fixates on a, on people's body parts um like like is this kind of this weird quirk and then suddenly it's not a weird quirk it's um you know turning into her killing people and hacking them up in order to get their right. parts and i and i really i, I that's not where i was expecting it was going the first time i watched it at all um so yeah i, I it's a it's a really um it's a really inventive movie to some degree for something somebody that's so young and like just starting out uh, not at all what you would expect from, yeah agreed. See. um all right so the next couple movies on your list are things that we have talked about recently <clears throat> um meaning like in like the last year or so um Pretty in-depth. So number three on your list is Gore Verbinski's The Ring, um, starring Naomi Watts, Brian Cox, Martin Henderson, 71%, 48%. We talked about this if you wanted to go um, back and listen to the archives. Episode 143, it was the horror remakes as good as the original from April 2022. Um, So what I wanted to do here was just kind of, because uh, I've been doing less criticism recently, unless I think it's really noteworthy, but uh, since we talked about that for so long, um uh, it's probably about 25 minutes, I guess, on that movie back then, I wanted to kind of, like, throw out some of the criticism, because um, it's a 48% from audiences, so I focus mainly on the audience criticism of it. Mm. So, one of... Uh, One of the criticisms is it's not as good as the original, um, which it feels like, you know, by you putting on that list, like to some degree you've already addressed. But like, why, why do you think it is as good as the original?
1: I don't know that it is, but I think it's a completely different movie. Um, Here's a good example of why that's. I think short sighted criticism, I'm not going to say it's stupid because I would have told you at one point the same thing, right? Mm hmm. Wages of Fear is an amazing movie. The Henri Clouseau movie from the 50s, right? Yeah. William Friedkin remakes that movie as Sorcerer in the 70s. Completely different movie. Completely different cast. Different tone. Different everything. Still a great movie, right? Mm -hmm. Wages of Fear is objectively i think a better movie than sorcerer but it doesn't mean the sorcerer is not worth seeing there's a very japanese aesthetic to ringu that would not translate to an american audience in terms of like sitting in a theater and i'm guaranteed that would you say 50 some percent from america 40, from 48 48, 48. 48%, i wonder how many of those reviews are some like mustache twirling neck beard, you know. After the fact, like trying to defend his precious, you know, Japanese horror fixation or whatever. Mm-hmm. And look, I prefer m- many aspects of Ringu to The Ring, but as strictly a horror movie, The Ring is a better horror movie than Ringu in terms of like only like what you're seeing on the screen and your reaction to it, because there's so much subtle creepiness to Ringu that you really kind of like unpack. So in order to really appreciate Ringu, you have to know, truly know like the manga and the novelization, the books and the other movies that kind of exist in the same universe. And you have to know things about, you know, Sadako and stuff. And (laughs) You don't need any of that shit for the ring. You know, you can sit down and watch the ring and it's hundred percent self contained. You don't need to watch it multiple times. It's very much, you know, there's a reason why Gore Verbinski was chosen to direct the pirates of the Caribbean movies. You know, he's not like a subtle dude. Like he's just mm. showing you everything you need to see. So they're just different, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't make it any worse or anything. And,
0: so to follow up no. something you just said the second most common criticism is that it's actually not scary at all except for it has like one scene that like you know obviously they're probably referencing usually when they say that the television sequence of her coming out but um... so
1: number one that's not true i don't think i think there are several scenes that are incredibly creepy and well done in this movie the problem is that It's really difficult to talk about what it was like to watch this movie in 2002 now right? because so much media, number one, because of, you know, and you asked me in the beginning about the remakes and stuff. There's such a glut of Japanese influenced horror in terms of remakes and releases, you know, the originals and whatever that like, how many times have you seen Sadako, Samara, whatever, climb out of a well, right? like, Right, yeah. It's just not scary. How many times have you seen scenes from the cursed video? And really, like, the American sequels, and even the Japanese sequels, because none of them rise to the level of Ringu or the ring. Like, it's just... it's It can't be scary anymore because you just know it. Like, there's... You're not going to be surprised. But here's stuff from the original from the ring that's really well done the scene in the well is really well done like mm-hmm. when Naomi Watts is going down to get her out of the well
0: yep.
1: the scene with um, Brian Cox yep. killing himself is really
0: well done that mm-hmm. whole thing is really creepy yeah walking through the house and all that stuff yeah.
1: the initial scene when she's watching the video and then you see her son watch the video later that's really well done there's so many small moments especially with like the ambient sound in the soundtrack mm-hmm. the they, when they go to the asylum and they're in like the haunted basement and they're watching the friggin' like film strip footage of Samara being, you know, tested or whatever. Right. Really well done. Like all that stuff's really atmospheric. Um, I think that it's, it doesn't rely on like jump scares necessarily. Um, I think the video, like the cursed video in the ring is much better produced and like tells the story better than the one in, cause again, like, <laughs> you, there's this like fucking nursery rhyme in Ringu you know playing the brine goblins be dying right which is like the translation and like what the fuck like that's stupid you know I, I, <laughs> right. from an American perspective right. but yeah, sure. if you know like the mythology and stuff like it makes sense and you can say like oh, okay well there's the, but the creepiness it's my argument not to make this too meta but it's my argument against like AEW wrestling right is that I shouldn't have to watch like three YouTube shows and read the internet constantly to understand what's happening on the television show. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and I love that stuff in in the ring in Ringu because I was super into it at the time. But mm-hmm. again, like I I would imagine that any criticism like that is being levied by people who are just trying to show how much they appreciate like the Japanese original and can't just view them as two separate things, which 100 percent I think they are
0: yeah yeah i really enjoyed watching the ring despite the fact that i did not think i would um last year as much as i did um but it's really held up and um i actually appreciate it a lot more than i did probably when it first came out honestly um where i was just more focused on the fact that it was so fucking blue um but yeah it, it it it's a good movie um Second movie on your list for this uh, 2002 is Dark Water, uh, directed by Hideo Nakata, uh, it has 81%, 66%. And we talked about this on part two of episode 150, when you redid your top five movies involving hauntings um and back in the archives that's in June of 2022 where we talked about this more in depth for the first time mm. um criticism for this very similar um this movie's not very scary um at all um that's like the probably primary criticism that i see of this movie um when i see it and do you think that makes sense with american audiences that they wouldn't find this scary well
1: it's not so much meant to be scary it's meant to be forlorn right and lonely like the the horror of this movie is about the sacrifice of a parent for their child and a parent that isn't like um like the best parent right like the mother in this movie is not a good mother not because of, like, her unwillingness to be one, but just because she's very, doesn't really pay attention to her kid and, you know, is basically selfishly trying to cling to her daughter um, to keep her away from the father because she just doesn't want to lose, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, even ultimately, like, when she's sacrificing herself to... Save her kid. It's still a selfish act in a lot of ways, you know. So, I, I don't think that 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 Nakata was trying to necessarily scare you. He's trying to make you like super sad and, yeah, scared of in like a psychological and like existential way. Like it's it's existential dread. It's not.
0: Yeah, I think that's what American audiences. That's uh, my thought is that things that are unsettling or um, Mm -hmm. eerie or kind of yeah psychological in there, like uh, dread's a good word. Probably it's probably the best word. Trying to create that sensation. um, I don't think a lot of people get. Like they they see it's like a horror movie, so they think they're supposed to be like scared, and I, I think they have a hard time recognizing what actually makes good horror movies and And that's probably a really pretentious thing to say but i think people don't get what's scary so they just look for jump scares
1: here's the other thing too that i think is important to, to know is to note is that we live in a very like young country so there's not a whole lot of superstition and folklore and you know history that surrounds us constantly and there's some of that stuff you know you definitely have people that become obsessed with the idea of like haunted places in america but there's you know hundreds or like a thousand years of like folklore and superstition built into countries like japan and a movie can be made that utilizes those things without necessarily being about being scary right like what's a really good example here of that like the changeling is a really good example of an American movie that's similar in tone, right now, there's mm-hmm. scary moments in the changeling, and I would argue there's scary moments in um in in dark water too I like agree, there's there's I guess. Yeah. there's definitely some stuff with the the girl like in in the yellow slicker that's that's scary mm-hmm. but ultimately, the changeling is about justice you know for right. for the dead, and that is you know. dark water is about like a child just wanting to be loved you know and Mm -hmm. like accepted and can't get past the fact that she died and like nobody ever nobody found her body right like or not for a long time right like she was dead and then left and so Mm -hmm. arguing that it's not scary so are there like a bunch of jump scares no but this is one of the remakes in the um, Jennifer Connelly remake of dark water that actually kind of hues pretty close to the original mm-hmm. and really is like, um, like a really faithful and I think good hearted adaptation of that movie. So mm-hmm. I don't know. agree. Yeah. Um, And it's funny that the dude, the, I mean, Hideo Nakata made the ring too. Like he's the director
0: of Ringu. So. Right. Right yeah um who directs that remake and was that like 2005 uh,
1: maybe know. I thought eight, um it might be five it might be oh, see, uh, American
0: Navy, that What are Sally's? who is that? Oh yeah, he come right he's like portuguese right yeah and he like makes movies and he makes the motorcycle diaries and then he gets dark water and then like basically they're like yeah go away um Um, on
1: the road i didn't realize that um so the short story that dark water is based on was written by koji suzuki who is also the writer of of, um the ring series Mm. he's Mm. a creator
0: you know gotcha Alright, so um, number one movie on your list is a a movie that we have not discussed um, before, which is The Eye, uh, directed by the Pang Brothers. It stars Lee Sin-G and Lawrence Cho. has a 64% from critics and a 72% from audiences. You want to tell us a little bit about this one and why it's number one on your list? When you looked her up, she didn't come up as Alexandra Lee. Um, she did, but the more I looked into it, she goes by... I don't... I never figured out, like, what the difference is, but, I mean, her wiki is Leeson G. Hmm. So... Um, I don't know, because she was Malaysian
1: and young, and I guess that they probably felt like it was easier to market, like, a Western name than... Probably.
0: That's what I figured. Angelica, Um, especially. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You're
1: also marketing it to... An Asian audience that might have some, Um I don't know. Anyway, probably just easier to have. Yeah, it's all it's all it's name. all
0: over the place, like in terms of where you look: Rotten Tomatoes, Wikipedia, like IMDb. Like, I think I actually went with IMDb finally. Um, is what I went with. Um, is and then just went with like her, like that. I guess like real name. So this is one of my this is one of my
1: favorite early um, Asian horror movies um, from when I was first really getting into watching like Asian horror um, the story is about a young girl who was blinded at a young age um, two years old gets a cornea transplant to let her see again so at first it's really difficult because her eyes you know she's been blind for whatever 18 years of her life takes her a while to get used to it um so she has no idea what anything looks like really because they they and they do a good job of explaining the thing of like visual memory and um just how it's easy to forget things and how she's so used to knowing what something looks like with her hands that it's um very difficult for like her to understand like what she's saying so at first these things that she's saying that we as the viewer can see don't belong she doesn't understand they don't belong because they're just she doesn't know what she's supposed to be looking at right Mm -hmm. but you eventually find that she's seeing these shadowy things and these people that other people aren't seeing and what she's seeing are the ghosts of people that are in the you know the ghosts of people that have died like in the area so the movie does this really fantastic job of kind of slowly building to that where there's still really creepy elements to it because it's not so much that they're hiding from you the truth. It's that they're showing you that she doesn't realize the, the truth. So you're kind of like outside of her as the main character, like seeing these things. And um they do a really good job of like the way that they portray ghosts as being sort of ephemeral and things that kind of like blinking out of existence, but also are like a, like a solid, not solid necessarily but like a presence in the area Mm -hmm. um her uh, psychiatrist who's there to kind of help her adapt to the idea of like seeing again he starts to fall in love with her um she confides in him that she's seeing these things and at first he's sort of skeptical but then he comes on board too um her grandmother who's incredibly superstitious she believes early on because um she sees her talking to a a boy that committed suicide in the building because he lost his um, uh, lost his report card, and that, that's another thing too. Is so that she, she sees that boy like early on, and she makes a comment to her grandmother, and her grandmother says something like, "Oh, that's somebody just playing a cruel joke on you." So they don't even reveal like anything about what happened to the kid, but they set up the fact that you know, like in a in a lesser movie, the grandmother would have been like, "Oh, that's someone referring to the boy that killed himself." Like they wouldn't have the right the restraint to let it just kind of happen mm-hmm. like over the course of the movie and they do a really good job of of introducing those elements here um so eventually she kind of becomes unable to cope with the fact that she's seeing like all these things um and her the psychiatrist slash like boyfriend um convinces his uncle who was the one that did the cornea transplant to tell him like where they got the eyes from they find out it was from this girl from thailand so they go back to thailand um to sort of research and they find out that the girl was kind of a clairvoyant um almost like a cassandra type character who uh could foresee terrible things was sort of like viewed as a witch and um ended up hanging herself because she predicted this um catastrophe and when it came true people blamed her so she took her own life um, so she's kind of been driving Mun, um, the main character, uh, back to Thailand to sort of reconcile with her mother. Um, as they're leaving being in Bangkok, they are on a bus and there's a um, large accident um, that eventually lead. Like So she starts seeing the ghosts of people around, like kind of like presciently seeing that, you know, through these new eyes, that there's going to be this great tragedy. Um, so she tries to warn people when we listen to her and eventually there's an explosion from a tanker um, where shards of glass like ruin her eyesight and she goes back to being blind again but being happy um, with her new boyfriend so so i said briefly about how i feel that like ghosts or whatever spirits are portrayed this movie has some of the best scenes of the supernatural i think in any Not even just, like, Asian horror movie, but any horror movie ever, maybe? And definitely, like, super influential. Um, There's a couple scenes that, I don't know how much you looked into this, but are incredibly, like, iconic. And referenced so many times when people talk about, like, the scariest movies or the scariest scenes. Hmm. Um, In particular, a scene in an elevator, which has been ripped off and referenced, like, dozens of times. Um, where she sees a ghost in one elevator and gets on another one and then the ghost is there and just the it's very slow it's very deliberate it's not forced upon you but it's like so uncomfortable and the thing is is in most movies like this and i'll bring out something like um like the sixth sense is that there's an element of danger to the ghosts and in this movie there's not it's just Mm -hmm. discomfort and um like lingering threat basically um there's another amazing scene where she's in a, a small restaurant eating and there's a ghost like looking in at her that like floats in and is sitting there, like, licking the drippings off of these chickens that are hanging in the window. And it's, like, really reptilian and, like, off-putting. And you find out, like, just, again, through just conversation, like, it's not somebody's like... Like, they never force you into a situation where they, you know, you have to have all this exposition explaining, like, why something happens. It's like, this waitress comes over and realizes that mun is seeing these people and she's like yeah you see him too like i see him every day they really prefer if you don't look at him but basically like that's the dead wife and child of the owner of this place who come to visit him every. and it's just like it's it's small things like that where yeah not only do you get like a true explanation of like what is happening to mun kind of just through the natural like use of dialogue and stuff but also this tiny little like backstory that has like weight and relevance and you know like a humanity to it and i i think that's one of the best things about the eye is that there's that humanity throughout like all of it right like there's so much where they you know they they again and this is what i was talking about with with the ring or dark water in terms of like you know, these are old cultures. Like this movie takes place in Singapore, I guess, maybe or Hong or Hong Kong, whatever. They're in China somewhere, um, and you know, it's it's an area that's like old and it's got a lot of like history. And they're Buddhists, so they have you know this religion that's been there for thousands of years. And so, I think there's just a weight to that that kind of makes it like even though there's elements of this movie that I think are really effectively scary. Um, And really, I think maybe uh, the the elevator scene is is very creepy, but I think maybe one of the scariest things is before Moon even realizes what's happening and the ghost of the dead woman is like flitting around her in the hallway of the hospital when Mm -hmm. she's still like Mm -hmm. fuzzy eyed from her surgery. So she can't even see what's going on and they film it in a way where sometimes you can't see it. But then there's like a couple frames where you just see like this, like empty distended face with like this wide mouth and these blank eyes and it's just it's it's so well done you know so yeah so i think that um this is an early movie by the pang brothers i think maybe their second or third movie um so again another like really sort of like debut and definitely in terms of the international scale like this is where um, Danny and Oxide Pang became like known.
0: Yeah, it's their second movie, and it's their first horror movie.
1: Um, they'll never reach these heights again. Like I hate to say, I mean they have a couple. Good I was movies gonna, I was going to
0: ask you about that, like because I, I this is the first time I've seen this movie. I enjoyed it. Um, particularly the stuff like you were talking about with the ghost. So what what after this is there anything that's worth it? <sighs> Looks like they do a bunch of sequels.
1: Well, the I two is fine i guess but um it's definitely not nearly as good as this one um oh they did bangkok dangerous so bangkok dangerous was uh the nicholas cage movie that we reviewed too mm-hmm. not this version of it but it was remade um with nicholas cage in the the lead role um the i2 is okay the i10 is okay um they did the Bangkok Dangerous remake with Cage. Um, I actually just put The Child's Eye on my uh, watch list because it's free on Prime right now, so I'll let you know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, Oxide Pang directed Bangkok Haunted, which is an anthology movie that came out before this that's okay. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of his other stuff. Oh. Uh, Danny Pang a lot of crime and action stuff it looks uh, For- I, I, I thought force to Death was, was decent enough and I thought Fairytale Killer was pretty decent um, but nothing is nearly as good as The Eye so yeah. one of the things that you see definitely in this movie uh, is a very television-y approach to the way that things are directed um, in terms of blocking and pacing in scenes But then there's some brilliance, especially so there's a really small scene where um, Mun and her um, doctor, protector, boyfriend, whatever, are riding on a train and they're having a conversation. They're talking about, um, you know, finding the origin of her, um, where she got her corneas from, like why she's able to see these things. And anytime they pass something outside of the train, like a tunnel or a billboard where the window behind them is darkened, you see this, like, fucking, like, terrifying ghost just sitting there, like, staring at her. Like, Mm -hmm. just hovering over her and staring. And it's subtle, and they never, like, she never references it directly. There's never any kind of, like, talk about what that ghost is or anything. But it's just, it's one of those things where it's, like, just showing, here's this poor woman who is, like, living with this constantly. Right. And, again, like, a, a less confident movie or a weaker movie would make this big explanation or she would freak out or something would happen. There would be a jump scare. But instead, it's just this, like, small, subtle detail. And honestly, if you're not even like looking at it, you might not even notice it really because it's filmed from an angle where it would be technically in front of where the ghost is standing, so you can't even see that there's like not a person there. It's just in the detail of the face, and then her reaction when she glances up, and you can see that she can see it. So yeah, so yeah, I I, I think this is a really brilliant movie. Um, I think it's maybe. Dead seven or eight minutes too long yeah
0: i was gonna say about 10 but yeah um it just it 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 runs just a little too long second half too i would say
1: because yeah because they have to do all these things where now they have to travel to another country and they have to explain what happened in that country and what's happening you know it's just Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. because it allows itself to build for so long subtly when they actually have to put exposition in it kind of feels like you're getting bogged down a little too much but i still think that part of the movie is good and i i still think the ending is really strong and ultimately you know it's you know sometimes you're better off just being like how you are like appreciating what you have in your life rather than trying to make changes i think and right um so i guess apparently there was a um a real life incident in china or thailand where a young girl got a cornea transplant in the 90s and committed suicide like shortly after um i remember specifically when this movie came out uh there was a lot of talk on like message boards and stuff about the actual um auto accident in bangkok that um inspired the end of the movie um where like I don't know, 70 or 80 people were, like, killed in the span of a day because of an explosion on a highway mm-hmm. in Bangkok. So it's um really interesting to, like, see, you know, where the Pang brothers pull from. And, like, maybe that's one of the reasons why it has such a um, such a lasting effect, as, well, on me at least, and why I think that it's so good overall. Uh, it's just because there's stuff that they've pulled out of real life here that, yep. um, you know. Just really make it interesting to watch mm. and I think again very much very much grounds it, even though it's completely fantastical in a lot of ways, it definitely grounds it in um in a sense of realism and um she's fantastic in it. She's actually a really great actress and um she's been in several things. Um some horror movies but some mm. other movies too. Um she's won she an award American, one of them. So, right? Uh sure. yeah, I think that's right. Yeah um but yeah definitely worth watching so that being said good and luck like watching it
0: because <laughs> it is not anywhere right um i have seen it somewhere in the past like few years oh it used I to I be have. on prime no yeah. it was on prime for
1: a long time because they used to have that in the i2 uh-huh. and they used to always try and get me to watch it and now i really feel like <laughs> i missed out like not um here's the most dis- like upsetting thing to me is i own this movie on dvd mm-hmm. i swear to god i i mean i own like I don't know, a few thousand dvds i've looked through every dvd i own in the past two weeks trying to find this fucking movie <laughs> and have never found i have no idea where like this I, I found movies that i know on my shelves were around this movie because it's like asian movies from the same time period nah Nothing. You want to watch Acacia?
0: I got Acacia on DVD. Do you? Okay. Because, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> like I am struggling with that movie.
1: Yeah. Well, I got it. I'll um, I'll let you
0: borrow it. Um. I I've I, I looked for all the torrents and I I cannot like find that fucking movie anywhere. It's just on um that one uh library like site that I told you about, A Canopy or whatever. Right.
1: So. Do not watch the 2008 remake of this movie. Okay, that was another
0: thing I was going to ask you because good old Jessica Alba's in that, right?
1: Right, so where I argue that it's okay for The Ring and Ringu to be two separate things, Mm -hmm. this is a movie where it's trying too much just to ape. Like, I think Ringu and Ring are great because even though the idea is similar, the scenes are so different. Like, they approach... What's happening in the ring differently than they approach what happens in Ringu? It makes it its own thing. They're definitely just trying to remake the Eye in English mm-hmm. without any real like sense of feeling as to what makes that movie like good. So it's just not good. Just don't yeah. watch it.
0: Right. Um. Yeah, no, I've, I really enjoyed the movie. I'm glad to, I'm glad. Here's to, what uh, else should tell
1: watch. you why you shouldn't watch that movie, like that particular adaptation. You look at something like The Grudge, like they, The Grudge remake is terrible too, because it's, just, again, like doesn't understand what makes that first movie great and doesn't do anything like to make it its own. They made fucking 72 sequels to that movie. Because right. it's uh, like they've—I don't think there's any English sequel to the Eye, as far as I know. So, because it's trash,
0: I—it's <laughs> on—it's on HBO. It is. I, I'm gonna—I'm gonna watch that. You should do it. I, trash movie. Watch I, it tonight. We'll watch I it do. together. <laughs> I um, I do love watching these really bad uh, adaptations of. Um, like remakes of Japanese movies cuz i f- i love that i mean in the worst way possible that pulse um movie is this just the worst just terrible like god awful yeah yeah it's really bad and if this is anything as bad as that um that it could be fun at least uh the grudge is just so mediocre it's just the grudge is really bad because it's just so mediocre. Like, well, the the mediocrity
1: comes from the fact that it's. um, What's his name directing it? Uh, the guy that directed the um, Japanese grudge movies directed, I think, the first few uh, grudge remakes. So mm. I think that's like the Guillermo del Toro syndrome, where maybe. There's something lost in the translation of his director directorial style. Having to switch from directing like an all Japanese cast to switching. Gotcha. Directing like a predominantly
0: English speaking cast. So I don't know. Mm. Gotcha. Oh, all right. So, um, any final thoughts on this list tonight? No. Um, I really
1: enjoyed watching these movies again. Um, I think that, I think there's a lot of stuff that you can see where, Movies like The Babadook or um, It Follows or even, like, the early, like, really big boom of the art house, you know, like The Witch and um, Hereditary and stuff, where they really kind of got their inspiration from. Um, I think it's really interesting to see some of the stronger Japanese horror movies from this time period, um, especially in the, the context of, like, alongside of like these other american movies or english-speaking movies like may and dog soldiers um, and i think it's really cool to see directorial debuts or early efforts by people that yeah you know would go on to like greater success so
0: yeah yeah but it was a fun list good 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 month and we got we got a lot more of those i think coming up throughout this decade too so <clears throat>
1: um
0: all right so um yeah thanks for listening everybody and um have a good week Deuces.